Uh, we began to embark upon this journey uh, five weeks ago, and uh, this series is entitled uh, Overcomer. Uh, in the first week, we looked at the discipline uh, of a champion. We looked at the fact that there's going to be some giants uh, in your life that uh, you're going to have to take down, uh, just as David had to take uh, out uh, that giant. Uh, in the second week, we talked about uh, that smallest tribe, that the hill is not enough. You know, you just don't want uh, one acre. Uh, but you want uh, all the plots and all the acreage uh, that God uh, can give you uh, in the hill uh, is not enough. In the third week, we looked at kings that uh, have to be uh, overcome. You know, there's just, some, there's just some things in life that you're going to uh, have to make up your mind uh, that it's not going to be the voices uh, that are surrounding you, uh, but you're going to have to overcome these things uh, sometimes just with you. Uh, in God. And then uh, last week, uh, we looked at the shadow boxer. And the most important thing, hopefully you remember about the shadow boxer, is the devil sometimes puts us in a corner, and we learned the word clenching. And uh, clenching is just simply in boxing. Uh, even if you don't follow sports, uh, it's that time that that other boxer just leans on uh, that other uh, opponent that he is uh, fighting, uh, and he's resting. He's basically resting. There, there are times in life that you and I get tired. And, and, and you got to clinch. Uh, you got to hold on. I'm, I mean, you just got to hold on. I mean, some days you're not going to always be up to the task. I mean, some days you're not going to have the strength to face uh, tomorrow. Some days you're going to have your doubts. You're going to have your questions for God. And sometimes you're going to have to learn how to clinch. But then when you get done resting, you're able to step back uh, and you're able to pop Satan uh, in the eye. Uh, and able to uh, have some uh, strength. This morning we're going uh, to simply look at getting off the ropes. Uh, and getting off the ropes basically in boxing terms means that uh, you're on the ropes and, and basically you're taking a lot of incoming. I mean, you got to turn it around uh, because you're not really able to go on the offense. You're not really able to do what it is that God wants you to do. And so you find yourself uh, taking uh, a lot of uh, offensive punches. Uh, next week, next week's going to be a little different service, and I want you to be here next week, bring somebody with you. Uh, next week, we're going to kind of conclude. Today, we're going to conclude the uh, preaching part of Overcomer, but next week, you're going to get an opportunity while this ring is here. I want you to be praying about it. I want you to be thinking about it, but you're going to get an opportunity to come up on this stage and stand right here with a piece of cardboard and just simply take what has been good in your life uh, and, and now, and, and from what has been bad in your life. And so you're going to get be able to just turn that around. Uh, it'll be kind of a form of getting off the rope, shadow boxing, uh, kind of all these things together, but it'll be our cardboard testimony. Uh, we're still working on all the, uh, logistics of it. It'll be different. Uh, but the main thing is, is you're going to get a chance, uh, without verbally saying anything, you're going to get a chance to write down on cardboard, uh, and you're going to get a chance to, uh, be an overcomer, uh, next week. And so, uh, Make sure uh, you're here. It's going to be a very exciting service, and it'll be a very memorable uh, service as we kind of wrap this thing up. Take your Bibles this morning. Uh, turn to the book of the beginnings, the book of Genesis, uh, chapter 39. It's there we're going to read uh, six verses together. I actually got real excited about this word uh, this past week as I was uh, prefacing what I would say today. Uh, I, I preached a message a few years back now, uh, surviving long years, and uh, actually a couple of weeks from this morning, we're going to come back and we're going to grab that uh, out of this same uh, exact text because uh, I believe sometimes we have long years and uh, we need to learn uh, how to survive long years. We're going to look at it a little bit different today. Matter of fact, uh, over the years, this particular story 
uh, as many stories in the scripture, has become one of my favorite stories. Because in this uh, text, in this chapter, uh, we see the life uh, and the story uh, revealed of Joseph. And there's a lot of things that we can take uh, from this story about being able to get off the ropes. How many of y'all remember the 70s? How many of y'all would say God was good to you in the 70s? Well, I remember in the 70s, I mean, an absolutely runaway hit movie came out. And I remember watching this movie with my father. My father was alive at the time, and I remember uh, there as a child, even though I was fairly young, uh, I, I remember watching this movie. It was a story of inspiration. Uh, it was a story of encouragement. Uh, it was challenging, but man, I mean, if you watch this story, it just simply made you feel better. And that story in that movie was simply entitled Rocky. And many people, many people at the time, uh, including myself, were unaware that that movie was based on a real-life boxer by the name of Chuck Wepner. And he was otherwise known as the Bayon Bleeder because he bled so easily and freely throughout his fights. And he didn't have a much of a, of a winning record. But Webner was a, was a good fighter, but he really wasn't a great fighter. And so he got the call up to be able to fight uh, Muhammad Ali. And Muhammad Ali really figured uh, that he would take care of business with this lightweight, uh, probably in about three rounds. But he was a 20-to-1 underdog, Webner was. And he, he went at this bout, and Ali kind of bragged that he was getting paid $1.5 million to fight this fight, and it would end very quickly. But that's not how it turned out. Wepner prepared harder for the fight than any that he had ever fought before. And as a result, not only did he get through three rounds, but he also went through all 15 rounds. He actually knocked Ali down with one of his punches, something very few of the best boxers had ever been able to accomplish. And after the fight, Ali praised Wepner by saying there's not another human being in the world that can go 15 rounds like that. And according to the Associated Press account, for 14 rounds in most of the 15th round, the big awkward ballroom brommer from New Jersey stood toe-to-toe -to -toe with the world title holder, taking Ali's best shots without buckling. And I want you to know today, Wepner shouldn't have been able to last in the ring with Muhammad Ali probably even three rounds. But he was able to get off the ropes, and he was able to keep fighting. And the one thing that I've learned about being an overcomer is you got to learn to keep fighting. you got to fight on days when you don't feel like it. you got to fight on days where you don't see God answering your prayer. you gotta, you got to learn to fight when you don't see God showing up on your behalf. you got to learn to fight when you don't have any uh, body uh, in your inner circle that's giving you any encouragement or any love. I mean, I mean you've got to learn uh, to get off the ropes. And here in Genesis chapter 39, we see such a person that had that story, that had that testimony of an overcomer, and that's Joseph himself. So let's stand this morning out of Genesis 39. We're going to read together those six verses of Scripture. This is the inspired Word of God. In this Word is the power to change lives. Genesis 39, beginning with verse 1. Joseph was brought down to Egypt, and Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh, captain of the guard, an Egyptian, bought him of the hands of the Ishmaelites, which had brought him 
down, Father. And the Lord was with Joseph. We're going to make a lot of reference to that this morning. But the Lord was with Joseph, and he was a prosperous man. And he was in the house of his master, the Egyptian. And his master saw that the Lord was with him. There it is again, the Lord was with him. And that the Lord made all that he did to prosper in his hand. Now keep in mind what he was doing. He was mopping, he was sweeping, he was cleaning. I mean, he wasn't doing anything spectacular. He, he was just simply a slave that had been sold into slavery. And he was still working under God's guidance and God was blessing him. And in verse 4, it says, And Joseph found grace in his sight, and he served him, and he made him overseer of his house, and all that he had he put into his hand. And it came to pass for the time that he had made him overseer in his house and over all that he had, that the Lord blessed the Egyptian's house for Joseph's sake. And the blessing of the Lord was upon all that he had in the house and in the field. And he left all that he had in Joseph's hand. And he knew not aught he had, save the bread which he did eat. And Joseph was a goodly person, and he was well favored. Man, what a word. Let's pray. Father, this morning we thank you for your holy, infallible word. Lord, for these next few moments, Lord, we've not come to hear some lesson. We've not come, Lord, just to simply be educated in our minds. But, Lord, we've come to hear a word from you that will touch our soul that will touch our hearts. And Lord, if there's somebody here today that's lost in need of you, I pray this could be the hour of salvation. Decrease me so that you can increase. And Lord, we'll give you praise and glory for it all. And it's in your powerful, mighty name we pray. Amen. Maybe seated. The story of Joseph. You know, if, if, if there ever was someone in Scripture that was destined for greatness... It was Joseph. Joseph's story is a story that basically his entire life, it, it, it has a little bit of everything in it. It has political intrigue. It has civil robbery. It has love. It has hate. It has jealousy. It has compassion. It has lust. It has ambition. It has heroism. It has pity. He was born the eldest son of the favorite wife of Jacob. Joseph was born to a position of privilege. He was Jacob's favorite because he had been born to Jacob at a very old age. And even though he was younger than most of his brothers, he was given leadership positions over him them because he would kind of tattle to his father on them. And because of his privileged status, he was adorned with, with rich robes and held in higher esteem by his father than the other siblings. And Jacob expected great things of a son, and it appears that, that God also expected greatness as well. And yet our scripture narrative this morning ends on a very bleak note. Because of his status, because of his dreams, Joseph is hated by his brothers to the point that, that they have a plot to kill him. Keep in mind, there, there really isn't a plan for the next 13 years. I mean, the plan was going to be that, that Joseph was actually just going to be picked off. He, he was literally just simply going to be put aside and killed. But instead, he is rescued by one of his brothers who convinces the others to sell him to slave traders who happen to be passing by and through the area. And as we hear the story unfold, we wonder if Joseph will ever accomplish those dreams. 
Will Joseph ever step on the stage of greatness? When you think about it, he had everything, and then he lost everything, and then when we get toward the the back, he got everything back plus uh, uh, interest. But it's those 13 years that would turn out to be the most trying and difficult years of his life. And I bet that Joseph said more than once, I bet he said more than once, why is this happening to me, God? Have you ever said that? Why, why is this happening to me? Why, why is this happening to my family? Why, why is this happening to my child? Why am I the one going through what it is that I find myself going through? Maybe you're crying out to God saying, God, I, I, I thought you had plans for my life. God, I, I know you want me to be a success, and I, and I probably don't deserve it, but, 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 but God, why am I going through all of this stuff that I'm going through? You know, Joseph reminds us that life doesn't always go the way we think it should. In the back of our minds, we assume that we kind of grow up and we find a good job. How many of y'all can still remember that great day, 18, when you graduate high school? You got the tiger by the tail. You're ready to get out of the house. I mean, how many of y'all just couldn't wait to get out of the house? Amen. Wasn't that a great time? How many of y'all like to go back to the house? <laughs> you know, you got the tiger by the tail. You graduate school. You're going to get married. Oh, man, marriage to solve all the problems. Amen. You're going to find that significant spouse. Then you're going to get a good job. I was reading this morning that now some people are believing that they need to start at $100,000 a year. Can you imagine that? What a world we live in. What a society, man. That'd be nice. <laughs> people don't live in reality, but uh, that's, another, that's another message for another day. You'll get married, you'll have a good job, make lots of money, retire at 65, celebrate a 50th anniversary, then maybe die of a heart attack peacefully in your sleep at 95. You know, uh, that's kind of... Uh, that's kind of the way we kind of see it, but things don't always work out that way. Matter of fact, Proverbs 16 and 9 says that in his heart, a man plans his course, but the Lord determines his step. You see, God is the one who decides these things. No matter what our intentions are, no matter what our dreams are, no matter uh, what we believe or no matter what we think our destiny is, God sometimes puts us on detours, and sometimes there is distractions, and sometimes there's going to be obstacles, but there's also going to be opportunities. And so this morning, I want to show you out of God's Word that uh, if you're going to be able to get off the ropes, if you're going to be able to be an overcomer, these are three things that, 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 that must happen in your life. If you're going to be an overcomer, these are things that you've got to understand. And the first thing is simply this, you've got to learn to saddle your dream before you can ride your dream. I want you to think real quickly this morning about dreams. We know that Joseph was a dreamer. The medicine that we take, the car that you drive, the planes that we fly, the TVs that we watch, the computers that we use are all the results of somebody's dreams. A dream is something that you believe in. And Joseph was destined to rise above mediocrity. His name literally meant God's gift. But whenever God is going to do something great, there will always be dream killers. Whenever God has a plan for your life, and I believe he has a plan for every person's life here today, and you're always going to have to deal with dream killers. And it might not be Satan himself. It, it, it may be people that are around you, but we're all going to deal with dream killers. 
So Joseph is sold out and he's put out by someone who did not believe in his dream. Some people don't want to hear about what it is that God's going to do for you or through you. So he's actually sold for 20 pieces of silver. He sold for 20 pieces of silver, which would be an equivalent to $12.80 of flesh and blood. They saw $12.80 worth of potential. It did not detour the fact that God still had a plan for his life. And the fact was that he was still precious in the Lord's sight. But you're always going to have to deal with people who are going to undervalue us. There's a lot of people today that are being undervalued. Matter of fact, I, I believe that's one of the problems in our society today, that whether you're a politician or whether you're an NBA star or whether you're somebody working on the ground here, we all have value. We all uh, are equal at the foot of Calvary. I mean, we all are made in the image of Christ, and there is no hierarchy. All of us today need to realize that we are valued, and God appreciates us, and God loves us enough that he sent his son to die on the cross for our sins. And when somebody comes up to you and they only see $12.80, friends, you got to be very careful with those kind of people because those kind of people will be dream killers. And you also got to understand that the assessment of others don't need to be the assessment of yourself. Don't allow the opinion of others to become your opinion of who you are. See, today what's important is a lot of people, they they, they got a past, or somebody knows something about what you've got in your yesterday. And so they'll put a $12.80 assessment on you, but they don't know what it is that's living on the inside of you. They don't know that the Holy Spirit of God lives on the inside of you. They don't know that you are made in the image of Christ. They don't know that greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. They don't know what it is that you have in you that makes you uh, in line to the royal throne, that you are not the tail, but but you are the head, baby. They don't know why you got the pep and the step and the glide and the stride. They don't know why everybody else is doom and gloom. You can be positive and you can be happy. It's because you are a child of the king and Nobody in this room is worth $12.80. You are worth it all because God left it all and he gave it all for you to have a plan and for you to have a future. So don't never let the assessment of others become the assessment of you. Everybody say, I'm beautiful. Everybody say, God's got a plan. Everybody say, I'm an overcomer. Let me just tell you, friends, I learned a long time ago, there's a lot of people that they'll assess you up. And there's a lot of people that will kind of just say, well, look at that person. Because of the clothes you wear or the car you drive or the foods you eat, people assess you up for all kinds of things. You ever notice that? I mean, they'll assess you up for being fat. They'll assess you up for being skinny. You notice that? They'll assess you up if you got hair or you don't got hair, whatever it is. I mean, you, you got to understand that in life, there's going to be people that are always not going to be happy with you. But here's what I want you to understand if you're going to be an overcomer, if you're going to learn to get off the ropes, you can't allow the assessment, you can't allow the opinion of others to be the assessment of yourself. Those of y'all that's been here for a while, you've heard me say this and you've heard me do this for a while. If you ain't getting no cards and you ain't getting no roses, you need to go down to the florist and you need to send some roses to yourself. 
You need to say, baby, it's a good day. I'm beautiful in the Lord. I mean, I'm, I'm a, you, you know, sometimes you can't wait for the roses to come from somebody else. Sometimes you just might need to send them to yourself. Amen. Send yourself an encouragement letter. Send yourself an encouragement note. Because, friend, you are somebody because God says you are somebody. And if somebody is trying to give you a $12.80 mentality, you need to put them behind. You need to reverse the curse. And you need to get off the road and you need to have confidence that you are not what it is that they see. Man, I can get excited about that. The second thing I want you to hear today is that we are all going to win some rounds and we're all going to lose some rounds. Matter of fact, in Matthew 5, 45, it says it rains on the just as well as the unjust. But probably one of the most exciting, one of the most exciting things about this chapter that we just read, and one of the things that I love about Joseph, is that even though his life gets turned upside down, and think about it, his life gets turned completely upside down, his relationship with God stayed the same. Oh man, this could be like a 52-week series right here. His life gets turned upside down. It's not going the way it should be going. But his rela- he doesn't quit church. Doesn't say he backslides for several months. Doesn't say he starts hating on the preacher. Doesn't say he stops reading the Bible. Doesn't say he stops praying. But his relationship, even though his life gets turned upside down, his relationship stays the same. Four times... In the 39th chapter of Genesis, it tells us the Lord was with Joseph. From the beginning of the story right to the end, it lets us know that the Lord was with him. Joseph put all of his trust and all of his faith in God, and that's why in spite of his circumstances, he was able to succeed. He was able to overcome at whatever he did in life. Have you ever heard anyone say something like, is there really a God? Why do innocent people have to suffer? Or maybe it's more personal than that. You'll, you'll simply hear somebody say, does God really love me? Why would he let this happen to me? If you've ever had reason to ask those kinds of questions, it would be similar to what I believe that Joseph could have asked. When his brothers threw him in a pit, when they sold him off as a slave, I'm sure Joseph's faith was shaken. But scripture lets us know that we walk by faith and we not by sight. And when everything else is going wrong in life and it makes no sense, when unfair things happen to us, that's when you get the opportunity. You get this opportunity to walk by faith. In spite of all the struggles Joseph went through, it was obvious that he came out of it with his faith intact. And Joseph's secret of success, his ability to get off the ropes, is that he kept trusting In the goodness of God. Now I'm coming to your seat right now. I want you to hang on. I want you to listen to this. Even when he couldn't see it. He trusted in the goodness of God. Even when he couldn't see it. Even when he couldn't feel it. He still trusted in the goodness of God. All throughout those long years. 
all throughout those 13 years where he is mopping floors and he is cleaning toilet bowls and, and he is probably taking care of the cattle and he's taking care of the horses and he is thinking about his brothers who sold him out. He's thinking about family that he hadn't seen for years. All throughout that time, Joseph is keeping his faith. He is trusting in the goodness of God. Can you imagine? He's getting up and he's mopping the floor. He's getting up and he's sweeping the floor. He's getting up and he's feeding the horses and he's picking up the manure and he's trusting in the goodness of God. His faith is intact. He's got his eyes on God and he simply stays focused on Almighty God throughout all of that time. How many people do we have today at the first sign of trouble, at the first sign of struggle, they quit God? What I want you to hear this, and this may be the most important thing that you have heard over these last five years. I want you to hear this. There's going to be periods in life where you're not going to see the goodness of God. And you may be on the mop handle. You may be on the broom handle. You may be bent over a toilet bowl somewhere. And you may think for maybe a moment that God's forgotten you. And you may think that you're a nobody. You may think that you have a $12.80 mentality. But let me tell you what. Sometimes you got to clench. you got to hold on long enough. So you learn how to get off the ropes and you got to stay focused on God. And when you can't see the goodness of God and you can't feel the goodness of God, you just got to go ahead and make up your mind that we serve a good God no matter where I'm at. If I'm in the toilet bowl or I'm the CEO of a bank, it doesn't make any difference. I know that God is good. Friend, this world that I live in, it's temporary and we have an eternal home in almighty glory. Man, today if Christians could just put that right there into practice. We have so many showmen today that are preaching God's word. We have so much of that name it and claim it and send so much money in and God's going to bless you. And, and, and these people are, I mean, I mean, they're really mockeries, probably wolves in sheep's clothing. But that's not true. If truth would be told today that a lot of us, we go through tough times Reality is we, 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 we go through things that are very difficult. And what really makes a strong and mature Christian is, is that we realize that we have got to learn to settle our dreams before we can ride our dreams. And we've also got to learn that, hey, we're going to win some rounds and we're going to lose some rounds. You're not going to win every round. You're not going to understand everything that happens to you in life. There's going to be times you're going to fall down. There's going to be times you lack understanding. There's going to be times that, 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 that you're going to wonder if God hears you or you're going to wonder if God's going to come through for you. But it's at that moment that you get the opportunity. You get the chance of a lifetime. Sometimes you don't have to say anything. I guarantee you in this room this morning, we have people that have gone through stuff and you may never tell anybody what it is you've gone through, but they know your story. They don't know your glory. They don't know your closet room experiences. They don't know your tears. They don't know what it is that you've been through, but they have watched you. And I believe that in this room this morning, there's people been saved because of our lives and because of our testimonies. And you may never see it. Maybe it did happen at your church or, 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 uh, uh, your, your family's church, but there are people today all over the world that they've seen some of the stuff we've gone through. And they've seen that we've been able to get off the ropes when everybody else said that we were going to go down and we were going to stay down. We got off the ropes and we came back. And that's what being a Christian is. 
When you go through those times of difficulty, listen, don't let that be a wasted period of your life. Let that be a time to where you glorify God. Let that be a time that you get to walk by faith. You may not have any money in your pocket, but you go ahead and claim it anyway. Sometimes you got to just call those things that are not as though they already are. You may not have anything here this morning, but you go ahead and call it. Uh, even though you don't have it, you go ahead and call it. You go ahead and praise God. You've heard me say praise God on credit. Sometimes you got to praise him on credit. Sometimes you got to get up in the morning on credit. Sometimes you got to go to church on credit. Sometimes you got to live life on credit. But let me just tell you what, you will trip the devil out when you should be moping, and groping, but instead you're praising God. Friends, it gives you an opportunity to walk by faith. It's easy to walk by faith if you got money, amen? If everything's good and you got health, isn't that? It's easy. Anybody can walk by faith. But when it's difficult, when it's difficult, that's when you got to walk by faith. So you got to saddle those dreams before you ride those dreams. You can't let the assessment of others become the assessment of yourself. And then you've got to realize, even when you can't see the goodness of God, and you can't feel the goodness of God, you still got to trust God by faith, because Joseph's relationship never changes the entire time that he's going through. Keep in mind, this wasn't like a day, this wasn't like a bad week, it wasn't two weeks, but it's 13 years. That's a long time, amen? That's a long time to be sweeping and mopping. That's a long time for you to quit on God. But he keeps doing what it is that he's called to do. And he stays in relationship with God. And let me just give you this final little thought. The defeats of Joseph, our defeats, we've already hinted toward this a little bit. They winded up leading to his destiny. And we'll visit that a little bit more in a couple of weeks. But listen, no matter where you're going through, there's something more to your circumstances than meets the eye. Because the Lord was with, it, it was the bottom line. It was the last word. It's not over till it's over. The Lord was with when viewed in relationship to the challenges of, of life is like what up is to down and life is to death and in is to out. The Lord is with, stands diametrically opposed to the negative roar of the world. The world says no. But it's the word of God that says yes. The word says that we can do it. The world says we can't do it. The Lord says we can do all things. The world says stop, but the Lord is with, says go. The world says don't, but the Lord is with, says do. The world says defeat, but the Lord is with, says victory. The Lord is with. It will always climb the highest mountain, and it will always traverse the darkest valleys. It sings songs of victory in the midnight hour. Because you got to understand, it's God. It's God that lets us know that it's not our perspective on life that matters, it's his perspective on life. And if you'll understand today that our God is sovereign and that our God is with you, whatever it is that you go through, you need to understand the reason why you can be an overcomer. And I've had, I've had people say to me, well, you know, I don't feel like an overcomer. 
Well, let me just tell you this. I, 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 I don't know all the, the adjectives or the adverbs, the pronouns or the nouns, and there's many definitions of an overcomer in the dictionary. But let me just tell you one way you can be an overcomer, and that's just simply you walk by faith. You get an opportunity every single day to walk by faith. And when you walk by faith and you're still in the fight, you may be dizzy, you may feel like falling down, there may be struggles, there may be challenges, but every day you get the opportunity to walk by faith. That to me, that to me says that you're an overcomer. And you know what? I don't know what it's going to be like when we get to heaven. I, 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 I don't know. I mean, I mean, the Bible says that ear is not heard, eyes not seen, mind's not conceived how it's going to be. But I believe there's going to be some victories in heaven that we won that we don't even realize that we have won them. We don't even realize because the world is watching and what's on display is the person that can go through the fire and the person that can go through the lion's den. And your relationship with God never changes. Even when you don't see the goodness and even when you don't see God, it's then can you still trust God. See, there's going to be times, and I hate to tell you this, this is my second close, so I think I gave the first service four, but I'll give you two. There's going to be times in life that you may not see the goodness of God. That's why it's so important that you're going to need to know in your heart the goodness of God. And I know it sounds cliche because it's a saying, it's on a poem, but sometimes we can't trace God's hand, but we've got to always trust God's heart. And sometimes you just get the opportunity to walk by faith. Today, if you're here and you need the Lord as your personal Savior. This altar's open. Today, if you've never been saved in your life, Andy got to lead a, a man to the Lord this morning, and that's what's so exciting about our church is each and every week we get an opportunity to see somebody saved. But if there's somebody sitting here this morning and you've never been saved, this morning needs to be your morning. If you've never been baptized, if you've never been biblically baptized, I mean, hey, it's not because we're Baptists, but I encourage you to be biblically baptized. Why wouldn't you want to just take care of that? If you want to join church, our church would love to have you as family, love to have you as a member. But if you take nothing from these past five weeks, I want you to take from these past five weeks that you are an overcomer. And I want you to think this week what, what it is that you could say, I, I, don't, I don't think we'll have 100% anticipation next week. Maybe we'll have 90%. It's going to be a little different. It ain't going to be come in, get a seat, and sit there and listen to the pastor preach. I mean, we're going to be kind of chaotic and we're going to have people lined up along both sides of the walls and Jeff's going to fire up the band. We're going to do a regular worship set and then we're just kind of going to get loose in the spirit and see what God wants to do. But you're going to get a chance to put down on a cardboard testimony something in life that's happened to you and you get a chance to tell everybody else that you're either overcoming it or that you have overcome it. So it's going to be fun. Everybody applaud. You ain't got to say nothing. You can be an introvert or extrovert. You just get up there with the cardboard. Let's stand this morning. Let's pray.